But Jesus also knew that the church in every age would stand upon those who would risk everything. For God, who did risk everything to love, to heal, and redeem an isolated, broken, and rebellious world. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Please pray with me. Oh God, we come as a body of believers, and we want to thank you, Lord, that you have given us the awesome blessing of living in a land that is still free. Lord, as we uh, celebrated this weekend our nation's independence, we realize that times are different. But, you know, times are always going to be different. And, Lord, we just want to lift up to you thanks for that blessing of living here. And now, God, we also want to lift up concern at this time with the uh, pandemic that's going around. Sometimes we worry. Lord, sometimes we're confused. And God, sometimes we just don't understand. But Lord, we come this morning saying to you, we believe in you, we trust in you, and we know you have our hand. Lord, we want to ask for special healing upon all of those who have been infected with this virus. They may be family, friends, acquaintances, and Lord, we just lift them up to you and ask for that healing to come quickly. And we ask for our leaders, Lord, the leaders of this church, the leaders of our community, our state, and our nation. 
Lord, we just ask that you guide them, give them the wisdom to make decisions that will get us through this time unscathed. And we lift all of these things up to you in the blessed name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, there's an Independence Day greeting that used to be commonplace. And some of you may remember a time where this was more common, and it went like this. Have a glorious fourth. I hope you did have a glorious fourth over the weekend. I hope you had time to enjoy it with friends and family. And uh, we, we added a little bit of a twist to our celebration yesterday uh, because we're just that exciting. Uh, we had one of our kids read the Declaration of Independence, which was very fun. And we didn't make him read all the stuff about why the king was such a loser and such a tyrant, but we read the early stuff. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to be reminded. And of course, we did fireworks and hot dogs and all those core things that you must do uh, as an American on the 4th of July. And some of you will join the sentiment of Frederick Douglass, who observed about 100 years ago that Independence Day in this country was not glorious for everyone, that there is still work to do, that not everyone is free. Now, in the understatement of the day, no government is perfect. Excuse me. No government is perfect. Uh, Thomas Paine captured this reality very well in his booklet called Common Sense. Don't you love that? What a great title. Don't, don't we all wish we could write that again today? Common Sense, which was circulated in January of 1776. In January of 1776, more people read Common Sense, more people as a representative of the population read Common Sense than watch the Super Bowl today. That's how widely circulated it was. That's how popular it was. And Thomas Paine says in Common Sense that government is like having to wear clothes. It's the badge of a lost innocence. Isn't that great? In other words, government is necessary, like clothes, because of the fall of humankind. Government is necessary, like clothes, because of sin. If we obeyed instinctively the laws of nature's God, to quote the Declaration, then if we did that instinctively, then we would have no need for law. We would have no need for government. And some utopian experiment in every age has sought to prove that theory wrong. And each failure seems to prove Thomas Paine's theory right. That government, while imperfect, is the price of security. Now, governments thrive and are held accountable by patriots who love their countries and out of that love, at times, offer critique. One of those patriots in our United States history was Frederick Douglass. Now, Rodney E. Slater is an attorney and the vice chair of the National Archives Board of Directors, and I'm indebted to his observations this week regarding one of the things that made Douglas a great patriot. Douglas loved his country, and therefore he could criticize our young nation for its shortcomings without becoming cynical. He managed to not become bitter 
as he spoke truth to a young, powerful nation, a nation that is still listening to him today. Criticism without cynicism, critique without loss of hope. A true patriot believes that her country is, or has the promise of being, the greatest country in the world. Therefore, when life in that country is less than it promises to secure, which she learns by careful study of history and observation, she proceeds to critique her beloved country. Now you may remember that St. Paul, as he was writing to the churches and as he writes to us, that he was a Roman citizen. And he was, didn't mind sharing that fact with you at different times. Uh, you'll remember Acts 16, when he shames a group of people and says, I can't believe you'd do that to a Roman citizen. And it is also Paul who has instructed patriots in every country under the sun and who reminds us today of an alternate citizenship available to each one of us regardless of where we were born. Philippians 3, verse 20. But we, Paul says, are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. He was saying we are there currently, not just when we die, but right now we are citizens of heaven where Jesus lives. Because where does Christ live? Where does he dwell? He dwells with us. Emmanuel, he lives in your heart and he lives in my heart. And therefore we are right now citizens of heaven. Paul goes on to say that we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. There is one country that is greater than the country of one's patriotism. And that country is the kingdom of heaven. At the center of the kingdom of heaven is the crucified, resurrected, and exalted body of Jesus, our Lord. And now, since his body will not be visible to me or to you until Jesus returns or until we die and depart to be with Christ in our newly resurrected bodies, now, at the center of the kingdom of heaven, stands a body that is visible, that we can see with our eyes, and that the world can look on for hope. And that body is the church. The church is the body of Christ. We are fragile, to be sure. We can be hypocritical, to be sure. We can inflict great harm and pain, to be sure. But as long as the church's membership criteria looks like the parable from today's scripture reading, the pearl of of the great price or the treasure that's hidden in the field, as long as we are willing to abandon everything else for the sake of that precious prize, Jesus himself, as long as that is the case, what could be a stronger institution? To borrow Paul's language, who could be against us? What then could stand in our way? 
Now Jesus called his disciples away from the crowds for these last handful of parables. Jesus knew that not everybody would risk everything for the treasure of the cross. That the cross, that heaven, would not be everyone's idea of a glorious day. But Jesus also knew that the church in every age would stand upon those who would risk everything for a God who did risk everything to love, to heal, and redeem an isolated, broken, and rebellious world. The church will be one day shown as the greatest country on earth. And we who love and criticize and fail and triumph in this church, we shall be truly free. We shall be unashamed. And we shall be so in the company of every tribe and every language and every nation who have sold everything they have for a citizenship in that country. And that shall be a glorious day indeed. Amen.